The podcast that you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell Ian Whittington and Albert Hogan. It is all the more tragic in that they were young, but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic October evening movie became a nightmare. The events of that night were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre films in the annals of American history, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. an Englishman and an Irishman go to the movies, the podcast that is re-evaluating everything it thought it knew about cinema. Oh, okay, joining me this week is is the man that is questioning his friendship with Sean, Albert. Hey, Albert. Hi. <laughs> and joining me, hopefully for the last time, is the man who introduces his friends to disturbing, disturbing movies. It's Sean Ferrick. Hey guys, <laughs> you okay? We are just minutes after watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Me and Albert for the first time. Um, Sean has deliberately seen this movie more than once. Yes, I have. Um, this is actually my second time watching this movie. I first watched it uh, maybe 15 years ago and... Only, I'd, I mean, in the words don't, in the words of your people, Jesus Christ uh, does not do it justice. Uh, no, does it not does do it justice. Um, so <laughs> I don't really know how oh, we're going to structure this man. episode, other than just. Well, I mean, the movie didn't decide to structure itself, so why should we bother? Um, I think, <laughs> let's just dive right in. So this week we are talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. 1974. Um, yeah, it's for some reason a classic and has an absolute cult following. Um, if any of you guys out there love it and think it's a movie that you stick on every year, then please, please tell me why. I think that might be a good place to start, because we're talking about Halloween and horror classics. Um, Halloween, I will... So, what's the difference between me putting Halloween on every year and the person that puts this on every year? Because I feel like you shouldn't be watching this every year or ever again. That's, <laughs> um... Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> while, Albert, while uh, Ian collects the head cheese that's coming out of his ears. Oh, uh, head cheese. <laughs> oh, that was, that was almost in the cold open, but I just could not. Oh. No. Um, so that, yeah. Um, initial thoughts, Albert. In, initial <laughs> thoughts, Albert, yeah. Um, aside from the fact that my nerves are absolutely shattered, um... 
Why? Why ever would that be? Oh, I don't know. It was all the fuss in those last few minutes. Love it so much. This is Albert's dis- description of the last ten minutes. Oh, all of that fuss. Uh, initial reactions are... Wow. Um, I think... I actually quite enjoyed it, weirdly. At least the first half of it. Mm. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm actually yeah, with you there. I think it's... Mm. Like a lot of the films we've discussed over the last few weeks, it's a film of two halves. Um, I... I... It's quite fascinating to see, like, you can see how this has influenced horror as a genre and the slasher flick 100%. in particular. Um, yeah, lady runs away lady from Lady runs things. away from things, runs away from faceless man, uh, big lurking man yeah. who doesn't say anything but wields a particularly mm. violent power tool. <laughs> Weapon. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, the main takeaway for me is I'm glad I'm vegetarian um, because if if there's anything this film has taught me is like, don't eat meat because you know you never know you could be you could be having barbecued <laughs> human. Um, you have no yeah. idea. Um, there is there is a reading of the film that says this is from, you know, the slaughtered cow's point of view. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the <laughs> yeah, humans are, really are treated as meat in it. I think it's worth <clears throat> saying for your listeners as well that yeah. Sean purposely told Ian and I not to read up on this film, not to do any research. So it'll be a little bit... So, so that yeah. was it. And, and and now let me explain why. So one was that um, I know you were both really worried that you were going to see a lot of gore and there isn't a lot of gore in this film. There you isn't. just think no. you're seeing a lot of gore. And yeah. that was... It was both, it, it was deliberate for two reasons. One is, and I swear to God, I'm not lying. Toby Hooper wanted to get a PG rating on this <laughs> film. And so kept all of the gore out of it. And you are so right to laugh. Um, and then the other thing is that the power of the mind is so much stronger than than what you see. I think, and actually, uh, because uh, just... Um, to explain the format of this, we we were live on a Zoom call as we were watching this, so I got to watch both of your reactions as well as obviously hear them. And there is a scene right at the end where there is, it's probably one of the goriest scenes, which is where the chainsaw falls on Leatherface's leg, and I saw both of you wince. And it really is one of the few times you actually see... um, No, I think it's the only time that you see Chainsaw connect to meat. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, um, and you see, I really Christ. wanted you to go in because it's usually in the first or second line of any review of this is you think it's going to be really gory, but it actually isn't. And yeah. so because I wanted you to replicate my experience Jesus. all those years ago thinking Gee, I was thanks. going to watch, you know, some 90s, you know, kind of inspiring thing. Um, oh, Jesus, yeah. I, I, so I think what we'll do... I was just going to say, no, go I can see why it's a classic. Because, I mean, it is mm-hmm. pretty much genre-defining and would have been unlike anything, I imagine, that came before it. Yes. This shreds your nerves. 
because it's a very quiet film until it's an extremely loud film. <laughs> yeah, very true. Isn't that 70s all over? Very it much so. time and then gut punches you for about 15 to 20 minutes. Absolutely. And, then, and some films do it much more successfully than others. Some films try yeah. to do it and just the payoff just doesn't 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 get there but albert i think you coined the best you nobody had seen anything like this before you guys had not seen anything like this before i'm seeing you like you're you know white as a sheet it's almost like it i mean they must have known that because the the first i think you nailed it albert the first half of the film is very normal it's kind of like Yay, 60s romp almost. Like it's they're all very, very sixties. Like they are they've got the bell bottoms, they've got like the flowery shirts, they're in a camper van essentially. Um and they're just like going through the Midwest (laughs) through Texas on a road trip. The first half. It really is. It literally is. It is Scooby Doo. Um and it's yeah, and then I think they must have done that deliberately to then juxtapose that to well this is the films that you may have seen before this is the film that i'm gonna make and it's gonna be something you remember <laughs> and and 1974 and 2020 you remember it yeah you certainly are um it, it's, so i think I was, I was just gonna say what what we'll do is we'll do a quick we'll do a summary we'll go over our points of what we want to talk about with the film and then because me and albert haven't done any background research at all i think there's quite a bit of behind the scenes to talk about that I think Sean will let you lead the way on that one. That's um, that's right. some like I just I, I suppose things kind of kind of spoilers. So I I have obviously I've got my behind the scenes notes as well, but a lot of the film's power lies in your reactions. You know that's mm. that's where it lives and dies. Basically, if you react the way I'm delighted that you did react, the film has done its job. Which okay, arguably you could say about any film, but because it's so extreme. Yeah, it is that it has the potential of moving into the absurd, and you just start laughing. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely some bit I did laugh. Yeah. Like there's some bits that are absurd, and I did giggle. Um, but I, I think because it shows so little until it shows something, the the bits that it does show are really shocking. Because I'm waiting, I'm waiting to be to be shown something really, really gory, and it, it doesn't happen. Until the couple of times when it does. And then that's a really good payoff when it happens. Um, it's just an assault on the senses, isn't 100%. it? 100%. The second, the last 30 minutes are just an assault. The the noise, the... Con- I have yeah. a headache because that stupid woman who should have died way sooner wouldn't stop screaming. Just... Shh. Poor, stop poor, poor Sally. The original final girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She she predates uh, Laurie Strode. Uh, she does. Just, oh, what's oh god! I'm gonna lose all my horror points now. I've forgotten her name. Uh, in the shower, Janet Lee. Um, oh, from Psycho. Yeah, the, I can't remember. Oh, uh, Marion Crane. Okay, she, yeah. well, she wasn't a final girl, so <laughs> that would have been. Um, so yeah, Sally yeah, Hardesty cool. is one of the original final girls, and yeah. But anyway, listen. Let's as you say. Quick summary. So, quick summary of the film. Um, teenagers from the 60s. Um, I mean, the film's in the 70s, but these kids are 60s as fuck. So, they're going on a uh, trip to Texas um, to visit. There's a brother and a sister, isn't there? Sally and Franklin, Sally. a yeah. brother and sister. Um, Franklin's in a wheelchair. 
Um, Sally's a little bit reluctant to bring him along. Um, they go on a road trip to, for some reason, see their grandfather's house, which they know is dilapidated. Just Sorry, just the reason on that is the... Um, so there's been a spate of grave robbings in the area. They go initially to make sure that their grandfather's grave hasn't been disturbed. Oh, so, so that that's is why the reason. Gone. Right, sorry. Yeah. And then that just so happens that they're near the homestead. So, sorry. Got it. Go okay, ahead. cool. So they're, they're checking up on... I totally missed that. That might be my. Yeah. Did you get that, Albert? Yeah, I got it. I got that it was happening in the news. I didn't realise it was happening to their grandfather. Cool. Um, t- they 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 go. They they can't get gas. They break down. They meet a creepy fuel attendant guy who has no gas. Then they go into the house, and one by one, the teenagers are ripped to pieces by Leatherface, um, either by mallet or by chainsaw. Um, and then final girl is going to get basically cooked and eaten until she escapes. That's the long and short of it. That's the movie. In fairness, that is, yeah. Uh, the only thing, just um, Hitchhiker. They pick up... They, pick uh, up. they Yeah, we'll yeah, get that's... into that. Um, so... There's a there's a decent amount of foreshadowing yes, in this film. Definitely. There really is. There's... And this, this, this is where you guys seriously start to question your friendship with me. There is a lot of super black comedy in this. And I mean, like, <laughs> no, there is. as in there is not a fucking candle of light in this black comedy. And it's, I, I get, when she's reading the as, uh, astrology signs, I yeah. mean, the only thing she isn't doing is going, Franklin, you die third, <laughs> uh, Jerry, you're up. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 was like, I was like, you sick <clears throat> bastards. And uh, um, so, yeah, I guess, so, is, is the first half of the film a bit boring? Or is there just enough to keep you, just enough kind of surprises to keep you going? I thought it was a bit almost documentary, like the first half. It was very realistic, um, you know, uh, in terms of like it felt very ordinary. Um, I don't know if I'd use the word boring, um, but it definitely like builds up a bit of a sense of suspense. Um, I was quite fascinated by the foreshadowing, um, and especially after. Our last episode on the Exorcist. Yeah, that's uh, after really our last episode on the Exorcist, I was um, like on the, the lookout this time. So um, you were absolutely yeah. tuned for it. So when he's describing how, I mean, I think the first most obvious bit of foreshadowing is the the method that they use to kill um, to slaughter animals. Um, it's not a it's a not a bonk on the head anymore because that wasn't always effective and it would take a couple of bonks and now it's the air gun um straight away i thought somebody's going to get bonked on the head it's not going to quite finish them off and they're going to get a second bonk um and it was actually really satisfying to see that happen to to kurt i mean not not because i want him dead but because i was like yay twitch 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 second bonk i think yeah and there's even i would say earlier foreshadowing because of the description of the the grave robberies and how certain parts of the body are removed and then there's that really creepy shot mm. i mean the opening credits is seriously screwed up um, and then you've got this that incredible yeah. shot in the graveyard where it looks almost like a scarecrow made out of body parts mm. uh, it's horrific it's it is absolutely horrific um it <clears throat> is that noise and it's just a camera it's a oh, camera but, taking so- taking a picture and you know winding up again did anyone ah. think that was really melodic? Like, I for a second, I thought that was a bit of score, but it, it's obviously not. It's the camera snapping and then 
rewinding itself, but it works as... Yeah, I want to talk about the score in this, on the soundtrack, because it's pretty genius, if I'm honest. Um, It is, no. Because it is that kind of blending of sound and music. Um, But there's very little that isn't on screen in terms of music. Like, the majority of it is the car radio. Especially for the Which even if you l- listen to the lyrics of the songs, there's a little bit of foreshadowing going on. Um, yeah, it's very, very, very good score. Um, because it's it, it's not even a score, it's a soundscape. It's like blending sound. It's blending sound and it music. Is, yeah. Um, and yeah, again, you know, comparing a bit to, to The Exorcist, it's that kind of sense of really present sound, like right at the front of the mix of the, the film. Um, to the point actually in some parts where it was hard to hear what the dialogue was but actually the dialogue didn't matter in a way um, particularly in the first half and then there isn't a whole lot of dialogue in the second half so you're fine <laughs> is not other than that's, you're right you're kind of you're, you're dropped into as if you're standing I got that it's I got that it's a really improvisational feel uh, across the whole first half of the film, I yeah. got that you know it was you know make up whatever dialogue you like and you know follow a theme yeah. of astrology or or whatever. Um, Especially <laughs> Franklin, like just be creepy. Yeah, just, just sit 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 in the wheelchair, be creepy with your knife, and just get the shit kicked out of you. Like in in the history of like poor bastards in cinema, he's got to be pretty up there with the top poor bastard ever. It just he just goes from one disaster to and another, doesn't he? We talk about fortunately. It's in the opening crawl. It's like you know this tragedy that fell particularly frankly. <laughs> it's literally there. You're like, oh god, oh, oh no, he's just gonna suffer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I I thought yeah because I remember kind of shouting at Sean when we were reading that opening scroll. Going, is this based on real stuff? I don't think it is, but it's, <laughs> it, it, it's a clever marketing ploy, I guess. Blair Witch-esque in terms of saying, you know, um, footage, blah, 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 which kind of lends lends itself to that documentary feel, I guess, for the first half. Absolutely. Isn't it one of the famous examples of a film that said it was but isn't? Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, They they led with that and, um, well, like, spoiler for kind of background, I guess, not spoiler, but... um, the, the reason they did that, it was sort of their statement. Keep in mind, these are college kids making a film, all right? So there was nothing bloody subtle in it. So this was their statement yeah. against the constant lying that they were getting from the government. This is the time of Vietnam. The constant lying that they were getting from the government and the increasingly graphic details that they were seeing on the evening news. This was kind of their answer to that. It was arguably not gory, but incredibly graphic. And that, like I said, they were aiming for the PG because their argument was, you'll see worse on the six o'clock news. <laughs> right, and, so on, on I mean, that, there's no way it was ever going to get a PG. How, like, how was that going to get a PG rating? And what did it end up with at the time? It must have been... Oh, it, it went straight to X rating and then they cut some yeah, footage okay. and brought it down to R rating. Oh, um, damn it. What is that cut footage? They're... 
This is the 83 minute. I'm not sure if this is the full version we've Actually, seen. Actually, forget I ask. I don't want to see it. Um, it's probably just more. Uh, sometimes you would get. Um, I remember just on examples for other films that have been received X. Well, definitely R ratings anyway. And, you know, they would receive the rating because I can't tell you what to cut because the entire film <laughs> makes such a tight, tense yeah. atmosphere that. You know, taking out that scene wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to... No, you're still emotionally assaulted Yeah, by, by the whole package, aren't you? I just, it's baffling that you're going to get a PG rating on it and still deliver the film that you want to deliver. I That's mean, it. It's really, I mean, ratings based on... I get annoyed with ratings that are based on like swearing and stuff because that's it's great. One fuck means that you're, you're a 15. Two fucks means that you're an 18. Just nonsense. What? It's nonsense. But yet yeah. this, there are certain people that should not be watching this. I include myself in this. I think this needs to have a 30 plus rating. <laughs> so, so, so fine. Some ratings that so fine for Sean enough. and me then, but not for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you bastards. Yeah. You guys have seen enough. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've aged. We've aged. I, I mean, I've aged a few years yeah, after watching have. it, to be honest. <laughs> you, what? Yeah. Like, I, I could ask you now something like, what's your favourite scene or what's your least favourite scene? I I don't... There there are certainly scenes that stand out. But for me, I absolutely take your point, Ian, that the first half, I understand the words boring existing in the same Venn diagram, if you like. Yeah. As I say, I, I agree with you, Albert, though. I feel it's a very documentary, very realistic style. And sometimes you're kind of like, I get to the point. And then I kind of go back to, well, if I was in 74 and I didn't know what was coming and I had no clue that this type of cinema existed, what am I... Yeah, correct. There's a bit of you that has to... There's a lot of value in putting yourself in the the seat of a chap from... Chap or lady from the 70s that has never seen anything like this and probably wasn't prepared for it um i'm probably being i'm definitely being unkind by saying it's boring um i think more to the point i don't care about any of them other than franklin so all of them are just vapid vacant stereotypical characters to me other than franklin he really held my interest um he him and so one of my notes is the only person that gets developed is franklin and astronomy girl and the only development she gets is astronomy. That's it. Which is to do a bit of foreshadowing. That That's the whole lot. Um, Franklin is the one that actually gets a bit of development and gets a bit of... You feel some empathy for him. So it was an absolute punch in the face to me when he is unceremoniously chopped to bits. For no... I thought we'd get a bit more from him. I thought maybe he's going to... I didn't really think he was going to save the day. Because it's not that kind of movie, but I didn't think he was just gonna, bam, hack to pieces, gone. Your your only focus now is Sally, who is arguably the most vacant of all of the characters. But it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because in the scene when they kind of first get to that old house, everyone's upstairs and he's kind of moaning because he's not part of it. And then you know he convinces Sally to basically <laughs> push him up the hill. Um, whereas if if you dude just stay quiet and you know <laughs> stayed by the car, he'd probably still be alive right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the one character I found fascinating and that caught my attention was the hitchhiker, um, because a that was amazingly acted. I mean, I presume these were all kind of unknown people 
you know, prior to this. But that was some really creepy stuff. So while the I, I would actually say the middle third is kind of ordinary, bordering on boarding, the the boring, the first third, actually, I think there's quite a bit going on because you're kind of trying to get to grips with the, mm. the whole weird opening and the dead armadillo slash yeah. weird guy, hitchhiker guy who decides to cut himself. Um, so yeah, th- that I thought that scene stuck out for me in particular. Um, <coughs> I think, sorry, I think that's what I'm thinking of is there's a lot going on there, but basically when is, the hitchhiker leaves... Up until the first murder, I'm does. not interested because it it's all does, yeah. about that family house, and I don't know what you're trying to achieve there because I've already bought into Franklin, I've bought into the characters as much as I'm going to, other than where's the lake house or where's the lake that they're going to, which lead, leads them to the, the cannibal house. There's nothing really, it's just a location for them to be that isn't where Leatherface is. I that, I it. I agree. It that, does a bit weak. That bit flags. It does flag a bit. Um, it gives you a little bit more time, as you say, to build your empathy with Franklin. Um, but mm. we kind but of I'm, already had got there, there. Yeah, exactly. If you're not there already, you're not going to be. Yeah, I think yeah, it could have. Um, as as you say, they had to they had to plant them somewhere. So yeah, they plant and, and that's them it, there, and it? then they can start to. They have to be somewhere that's out of sight, but is a reason for them to be there. So I get it. And I I don't know what else you would have done. Um, I'm really glad they didn't go the route of... Because I thought they were going to stay at the house. And then it was going to be Michael Myers kind of style of Leatherface in the bushes. Watching, heavy breathing, and then hacking them apart bit by bit. But the way way this film does it is is brilliant. Because it's almost accidental. So... Kirk and is it Kirk or Kurt? Kirk. Damn it, Jim! It's Kirk. Of course mm-hmm. it is. Um, yeah, I'm an I'm an abattoirist, not a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. So he, they find the lake is basically dried up. So they carry on walking. They find a house. Um, as you do in horrors, you knock on the door of the house. Um, he knocks for what I think is twenty seven and a half minutes, saying, "Hey, hey, 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 anybody there?" And then eventually he stumbles his way in, and a Bam! Leatherface is there, bonks him on the head. So were you... Because so, this is one of those scenes that many people have seen at some point in their nope. life. So nope. had you seen it, did it get nope. you? Yeah, it got I me. I haven't seen it either. Uh, I thought this film was going to go full Halloween and leave everything to the last 15 minutes mm. until it... I had to do a double take because he pops out of the thing and just go... Smash! It's like it's instinct, isn't it? No, I feel like none of this is premeditated. They've stumbled into his abattoir, into his playground, really. Um, and the result is you're going to get a bonk on the head. Everything is instinctual. Nothing's planned. They could have all stayed alive if they had just listened to the gas attendant. Yep. Absolutely. He said, "Oh, you don't want to go messing up with those houses." And even looks at the girls. And says, those girls don't nope. want to go and spend some time around an old house. And, of course, slightly ironic, as we will find out, but he is giving them an out. A chance. Uh, He's the neutral... um, He's the neutral evil, isn't he? So he isn't going to influence it one way or another, but if the opportunity is there, he's not going to stand in the way. So he's just going to let shit happen. 
Um, it's his way of keeping his conscience clear. Yeah, because he chastises his kids yes, at so. the end, doesn't he? Like he's like, "You bloody idiot! Why have you done this?" Okay, let's have dinner. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, it's it, they're here yeah, now, exactly. so we may as well eat them. And and you know what? And that's exactly what his viewpoint is. He's like, okay, you know that that's it. I I did my bit, um, yep. and you know, happens, she bursts in this the door. Time it happened to you. Exactly. She bursts in the door if. You get the feeling that if, let's say she had come from the other direction, totally normal, hitchhiker, knocked at the door, sorry, can I use your phone? You get the feeling that, yeah, he would have let her use the phone and gone about her merry way, but she didn't. She came from the house, Leatherface was chasing her, he's like... She knows too much. You're you're dead, you know, you you might be living and screaming, but you're dead. So what's, what, the other thing that I loved is... um, he, oh, I lost my train of thought. Hey, um, what does he do? He's um, so a uh, gas attendant no, tries gone. to give sorry. them an out. Um, um okay. yeah, but so sorry, uh, chastising them. Sorry, that's yes. it. Um, we'll, we'll edit that out. It's fine. Um, so he's chastising the kids, um, for being careless. Essentially, uh, accepts that this is going to happen and does all of the eating, but then when his dad takes the hammer and they're trying to get him to do the hammering. He's back to being a child. So he is he's one of the three kids and he's spurring them on and he regresses. So you can see all of this has come from the granddad. So who knows what his dad did to him, but he's definitely there's a generational thing here where this is how we do things. Yeah, definitely. Um and yeah, that grandpa, granddad, whatever they called him, completely freaked me the hell out because I thought he was just like a cadaver upstairs. I did not expect him to be sucking blood out of her finger for like two minutes. (laughs) And how do you find out that he's alive? It's from the sucking because I think they deliberately, there are no expressions, there's nothing, and then there's a sucking noise and you're like, well, where's the sucking noise? Oh my God, he's alive. Like they play that. But what about Granny? Is Granny in the sequel? Because she didn't... Was she dead? Was she alive? I'm going to bet that Granny's dead. She's like proper dead. She's an empty skull. um, They would have brought her down as well. But, I mean, that is played really, really well. Sorry. I was just going to say, can can I... No, you go ahead. I have to give a shout-out. Like, even though I didn't enjoy it, I really appreciated the set design because... Inside that house, <laughs> inside that house is in. Oh my god, the decor I mean, was amazing! The, like all those kind of charms and totems, and an armchair that actually has arms yeah, for yeah. a chair. Um, or, you know, <laughs> using the bones as the back of the seats. I mean, it's just insane. The lampshade, lamp which, which is a hand, or the, the, or the, the pendant it's... that is basically a human head. Um, you know, I mean, the, the yeah, actual. It's fucked up thought that has gone into that is quite incredible so from a from a production <laughs> standpoint i was very impressed with that but i did not enjoy it <laughs> you're a you're a sick <laughs> bastard Albert. this you. is horrific and those people should be in jail but it really was creative <laughs> but i'm glad they won the oscar like, <laughs> <laughs> um the i uh, do have a quick question sorry before we move on yeah. from that who is decorating the house and why so it is. So that is the. Uh, so it's the Sawyer family. Uh, I can't for the life of me. I can't remember. I don't think they're named in this one, but they're the Sawyer family. Just go with it. No, they're not. No, I'm sure they're not. <laughs> um, but 
and that that is their homestead. So there's there's like, but I feel like Leatherface if you think isn't about it, doing it. Hitchhiker no, isn't doing it. Well, aren't they potentially not? No, I don't think I don't think that Hitchhiker is. But uh, I think Leatherface is because he is. This is so weird to say it like this. He is a craftsman. I mean, everything in that house yeah. is industrial. The obviously the choice of weapon um, is in industrial. Um, everything you know is the generator outside. It is this. Everything feels like it's been built by hand. And if you think, what's the difference between a leather chair and a chair made out of bones? It's just which part of the animal you use. It's true. Um, I just, I, it feels very ceremonial. So the vibe I got from the open, I'm going to sound like a pretentious dick now, but the, the vibe I got from the opening scene and all of the stuff in the house was a ceremonial kind of thing. So if you've ever seen Hannibal, the TV show, uh, all of the murders on that, there's a there's a, a, a posturing around all of the corpses and usually to reflect something religious. This all felt very deliberate. Um, the only way I see it linking back to the story is that the hitchhiker, the blood that he smears on the van mirrors one of the, the setups that he's got in the house. So it's the same kind of, there's two curved bones and that same curvature is how he sprawled his blood on the van. So that's another great bit of foreshadowing for us. But they don't really explain why they do that other than... Because it looks creepy? I guess you just have to assume... Yeah, it looks creepy. And maybe they 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 elevate the, the abattoir slaughterhouse industry into an art form, perhaps. It, any any of that could be could be the case right because i think it's i think a lot of this comes down to personal interpretation funny enough because what i got was entirely the opposite i got it was completely meaningless and that was the point oh no 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 so there is i, I, so I, I love got, that we disagree on that i got right so you 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 say that the symbol and they, they spend so much time talking about this symbol that he paints on the van with his blood whereas yeah. i just got he just wiped his hand on it no 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 it's deliberate i actually just um i i just remembered i'm correcting myself now i said i i don't think that the hitchhiker was involved in it it was he that was in the graveyards there's a that's that's the line the the uncle's there beating him with the stick and he says i told you not to he says no no they didn't see me they didn't see me yeah says i told you not to be right so actually so he set the sculpture but no 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 no. so I, i got the entire thing it was just it's not ceremonial is proving how little to zero, they consider the worth of human life. But it's not. It's it's not. It's a mix of humans and animals, though. So, Pat, hmm, maybe because all of the human bones and remains are furniture. All of the animals are in a ceremonial kind of posture, aren't they? No, so maybe no. no there's is a, it human stuff as well? It's 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 literally you're right. It's a mix of both um, right, because okay. there's like. Um, I know that there's like horse jaw bones that are arranged around human skulls and stuff like that. So right. it's literally everything that could be meat seems yeah, to have so the same value. You, you know what then, to backpedal, maybe it's just we're going to use every bit of the body. Because Hitchhiker in the van says they don't waste anything. They use they use the whole lot. So maybe there's a bit of... Yeah, that, was my, of that. that was my interpretation um, of it because that was a very clear part of that conversation was like how they, they use every bit yeah. of the body. Um, and actually, when when he did mark the van, I saw that as him like almost marking them out 
as you know we're going to come back and get you later kind of thing um but yeah i i did i'm sort of in between i'm sort of like yeah they they elevated their skill to an art form but also i can completely see sean's perspective that actually it's just a case of it's there because it's creepy and you know but there's no reason yeah. it can't be both because serial killers yeah. they serial killers put an art form and a process to sometimes they may dress the corpses or they may leave them in a certain way just to get really really morbid um so there's maybe a bit of both but there's definitely some functionality they even if they haven't quite like using an arm as an armrest is a bit on the nose and not very practical so but do you see it, the black it, yeah. comedy of it oh totally yeah, yeah absolutely but take a there, seat in the armchair that we it shows that there's there's an intent to use every bit of the body even if they don't really they're not smart enough to realize that's not a good idea that's there's i think you've definitely you you've hit the nail on the head there because um leatherface aside right because he he's his own category but you are not dealing with phd scholars here um <laughs> and you have the one side of it where they are they're obviously clever because they haven't been caught but yeah but they're in the middle of but fuck nowhere like but, i'm but you, i'm not mean, sorry yes of course uh, yes he operates a business <laughs> yeah well, so, I mean, like, it's, the mafia it's, have been doing that for for well, hundred years. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that, that gas station is just a drug front. It's just a very dark remake business. of God. So, is it like some yeah. sort of fucked up sort of uh, commentary on capitalism or something like that? So, I have got thoughts on this. Sorry, go on, Sean. Okay, well, I just we might have the same thoughts. Um, it was, I think there was there was a there was a lot basically in it. There was you know commentary on. You know, capitalism. One thing that I picked on, both of you picked up on that I uh, felt is that this is 1974, yeah? But those kids and that van, I mean, it's a flower power van. They it, are so clearly children of the, of the city. But, but, I mean, sorry, yes, but no. But So we're four, four years into the 70s, right? So Vietnam has happened. The Charles Manson murders have happened. The 60s are dead. And this film slaughters what's left of them. I love that. These are the last little hangovers from the 60s and this film fucks them up. Absolutely <laughs> says, whatever peace and love that you thought was in the world, in the middle of nowhere, these random people that you find, it's not a stranger as a friend you haven't met yet, as a stranger will fucking chase you and yeah. they will tear you to pieces. Don't trust anyone. Yeah, the director of this film absolutely wanted to be part of the flower power movement, but was not. I imagine that he saw it from afar and, and was kind of alienated by it. Um, but on, he was the on guy the... who had to pick up all the rubbish after Woodstock. Hey, oh, fuck. You know what? Dig into his background. I guarantee that was his job. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I tempt picking up litter, condoms, and everything else from Woodstock. Hey, who am I kidding? There were no condoms at Woodstock. Um... <laughs> There's a lot of people who were, you know, yeah. born in the early early months of 1970. Well, would you um, look at that? So, uh, so Albert, you, sorry, you mentioned there about you know this this attack on capitalism. Um, what what other what other parts of the film really kind of 
gave well, you that feeling. It was an attack on capitalism. It was more just like a commentary on it. It's like, and again, it's going back to comments like, you know, we use every bit of you. It is like kind of the capitalist machine eating up, um, you know, the ordinary person. Um, you know, we never find out, like, so they obviously used to work at the slaughterhouse, but don't anymore. Is that because of, you know, some change in how that operation is run? You know, there's just little bits in it that kind of, the more I think about it, sort of reference that. Um, and yeah, to your earlier point, kind of the naivety of, of peace and love when actually these guys are getting killed to make barbecue to sell, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, the guy specifically says, you know, I've got a business or a shop to run or something like that at some point. Um, yeah. So it was almost like, you know, there is this bigger machine that we're all part of and we'll be picked to the bone literally first. Um, so that's kind of where I, I, I got that from it. But, you know, that's just kind of a weird interpretation of a weird movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, the 60s was the height of excess and indulgence. And we can do all of this stuff now because we don't have to worry about A, being in a world war um, and B, can't, jobs were kind of... There was a, the modern economy was kind of starting in the 60s. So you didn't have to struggle so much. You've got a lot more free time. Um, and then this film is bringing it right back to, no, we need to get food on the on the table, literally. Um, the way I saw it was a commentary on modernisation yeah. as well. So that this is absolutely stinking with how the modern world is leaving the the old world and the traditional world behind and we're not even talking about computers usually when you get a film from the, the 80s and 90s especially it's how your, your, your everyday man is being left behind and jobs are being replaced by robots this is jobs being replaced by just a better method of killing so what i got from it is that they they all worked at the slaughterhouse but hitchhiker says that the new air gun way of killing them um isn't good for them at all because they've lost jobs because you can do you can do a hundred of them in in 30 minutes you can or even more than that it's a much more efficient way so therefore you need less staff so have they been pushed into this life of killing people to sell the barbecue meat um because of modernization and, and a world that's left them behind so he says about electricity costing so much that's why they have their own portable generator. Um, they also, they also don't, and the, the, don't have the, a phone, do they, in the in the shop? Yeah. No, they uh-huh. don't have a phone. They don't even have gas to sell because they're so far behind. I imagine the major cities are all being supplied with gas. Um, and they've got to wait every other day to get filled up. Like, he may not be there until that afternoon or the next morning. So while those tanks are empty, he's not making money from gas either. So the modern world has left them behind. And these guys are kind of the modern world. The, the only thing that kind of plays against that a bit is that they're not deliberately killing them. As I, as I said earlier, like they bumped into the house and then get murdered and great, now we're going to use you for meat. So they're still not... It's almost like they're not bitter about it. They're just, well, this is us now. It's up and to I, be you. I feel as well that a, a, a lot of their actions... Um maybe the dinner scene goes against this a little bit, but a lot of their actions come from a place of self-preservation. So Kirk walks in, as soon as he's seen 
you know, the... <gasps> Bonk! Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, and the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the uncle is... The, one of his first things that he says to Leatherface when he gets there is, you know, did anyone else see? Did you get them all? Are there, basically, did you get all mm. the witnesses? Because otherwise, you know, yeah. we're all going to jail forever. Um, and, you know, this this idea of clean up your mess. And that's an idea that you see in, in lots of different, uh, lots of different anything, really. Clean up, clean up your mess. But here, it's, I take it as we... We are us and we look after our own. And anything that will come in and threaten our own, we will take care of. And whether that was the thought that went through Leatherface's head when he brought the hammer down on Kirk's head, uh, I don't know. Or whether he's just been conditioned that if it's not one of these faces, lol, that you recognise, destroy it. Yeah. And he gets straight away, he, he doesn't go outside the door and he doesn't go and look to see is there somebody else he there is a body on the floor he brings it into the kitchen and then pam walks in i actually i i, I pick up exactly on what you were saying in this time um the first time i watched it i think i i only really remembered franklin and sally because obviously uh, we get a lot more time with oh, sally. Yeah. but pam yeah she a little bit more this time sort of because of course i knew what was coming but also because she gets the most dialogue apart from franklin and when she goes in, you just feel so awful mm. for her because she's dead the second she walks through the door. Yeah. And she I just doesn't know, know it yet. No. And then I saw you, I saw you both again. It, I mean, this is one of the things the film is famous for. But I saw you both, I think, just kind of shrinking up oh, into yourselves as he carried her into the And the meat hook. You just know, you just know that's going to happen, don't you? Yeah, um, it is. It's infamous for it, and it's horrific. I mean, can because you imagine there are there's stupid films nowadays that would put her on the meat spike and she immediately dies. But yeah. sorry, the meat hook. But she hangs. Uh, sorry, bad choice of words. She hangs around, doesn't immediately die. Like she hangs on for a while, and, and she's still alive when she's in and the meat. The, there's also that bit about we don't waste anything. There's a bucket under her catching the blood. Did you spot that as well? Oh yeah. That's the gravy. You gotta use That's that to salts. make meat cheese. <laughs> yeah. And right okay, in front yeah. of her, in with a very real chainsaw, I might add. Yeah. He starts to butcher Kirk. Yeah. Um there uh, Which spoiler. is a bit so this actually is where it f- not falls apart, but I don't know. I would imagine so you don't I might be wrong. I've never worked in an abattoir. You don't use a chainsaw unless I'm wrong. Do you? I thought if you're going to butcher and carve the meat, you use some precision tools. So it would be more believable for me if he's using precision tools to carve the humans as if they were pigs and cattle and whatnot. The chainsaw seems like a gimmick for the film. Uh, Well, two things. It is a gimmick for the film. You're, yeah. you're dead right, and it was a gag that Toby Hooper dreamed up, true story, when he was standing in a convenience store and wanted to find the fastest way to get through the crowd to get out. Thought, <laughs> How would I be able to do this? To pick yeah, up a chainsaw, tr- you'll get through pretty quickly. Treat so, you like Bramble. Great. Absolutely. But I, I also think in, in my reading of particularly that, cluster of killings so pam and kirk and then obviously later jerry 
Uh, Leatherface is panicking. Agreed. Yeah. yeah he's um, because y- you see throughout the film that he is um, not at the same level of cognizance as the other characters. To put it kindly, yeah. Yeah. So um, I need to get rid of this. This thing is very, very quick. Yeah. <laughs> Done in the bin or yeah, in the uh, freezer. I just kind of would have thought that if there is more of an art form to it, but I get, he's also a child in a toy shop. Like you can see that when he's chasing. This is why the chasing is really believable. You can be screaming at the screen saying, "Well, he would have caught up with her by now." It's like no, him and the hitchhiker are both toying with their yeah. prey, uh, and the way he's like frustratedly like dancing around with the chainsaw at the end of the film. He's a kid with a toy that he shouldn't have. Yeah. Also, can, uh, I had a question around why Leatherface puts on a woman's wig and is, it, is, in, is drag. in drag. Yeah, you like, that's is where that, you're going. Like, so. There's definitely a theme in this film about like exploitation of women, definitely, because you know the, the yes. female deaths are much more gory, strung out, you know, sort of more shocking yeah absolutely yeah the men are just bumped up what's the ex um explicit not explicit the one where you're exploitation putting them on show not exposing exhibitionist exhibitionist all of the x-words all of the x-words um (laughs) so i mean i i don't have an answer for you for this one there has been a shed ton of discussion over why is Leatherface in drag? And you will find hundreds of interpretations of it online. Um, I I don't know. Okay, so... For me, it's just what, dress what, up. What do like, you mean? Okay. For me, the, the Leatherface itself is... Oh, this is cool. This is like a Batman mask for whatever a kid in the 70s... Oh, no, no, Batman was around in the 70s. So yeah, it's a Batman mask. Um, and there's no grandma. There's no mum at the table so cool i'm gonna dress up and and do that um i mean there's a really dark part of my brain that makes me think he wants to be friends with sally so i'm gonna dress up like a woman to make her feel more at home see i just took again thinking about that kind of like loss of innocence and stuff like he he dresses all up almost like quite stepford wife ish and there's almost like a sense of you know, hanging on to the past and the tradition. Um, and also, is it just a case of he's transitioned from butchering to actually cooking? So it's just like a a, pra- a practical oh. costume change. That's That, that was the other way I read it. I like that because obviously mum isn't around anymore, but perhaps he was old enough to see this is what mum does. Mum yeah, and his cook. dad even says at one point, like, get back in that kitchen. You know, like, it's almost like a commentary on, you know, women again, you know, back in the kitchen with you. Yeah, yeah. women in the kitchen. That's it. I, I feel I feel almost just... So to anyone who's listening who's seen the sequels, because the sequels go into further detail, but I ignore that myself i i, I yeah you've got to treat this, this film you've got to treat as it as, as a standalone particularly for if nothing else the purposes of this episode right so yeah. there there are various answers to everything we've just said all right but in this film i in in their warped interpretation they are having a very pleasant dinner party yeah. and what do you <laughs> yeah. do at a dinner party you dress up for it yeah, you know, you you put on your your Sunday best or or whatever, um, 
And, and she's spoiling it by screaming. To be honest, because even though I think they're all playing a part a little bit because, um, you know, the cook, he he's very, very vocal about, no, don't put her out of her misery. Put her out, I, I take yeah. no pleasure in killing. And But how often do we see him laughing? Yeah. And he's he goes playing the part of the, I am the respectable, you know, someone has yeah. to be a grown up here. Um, and then arguably the one who is the most honest is the hitchhiker. Yeah, he's just, this is me. He's just impulse, isn't he? But he can articulate it better than Leatherface yeah. can. Yes. He's 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 the brains. Leatherface is the bronze. Yeah, I mean, brain, that's generous, isn't it? Um, so, did anyone else see a parallel between Leatherface and Franklin? Well, they're both disabled in their own way. Um, Franklin is physically disabled. Leatherface uh, leather leather is um, developmentally disabled um but there was like there's an obsession piece as well so leatherface you can see he's torturing himself when um who uh, he's like hitting himself on the head when jerry somebody... is the yeah jerry yeah, that's comes it. In. he's number three like you know what an afternoon yeah. he's just like oh and but he can't process it and he's just he's obsessing over it and he has to kill them like his pursuit of sally is obsessive like i can't let them get away and Franklin obsesses over basically everything. Like I think he's got there's definitely some some OCD and anxiety about him because um, he the hitchhiker he obsesses for the entire film. He's going to come and get me. He's going to come and get me. And he tries to rationalise. Oh no, he can't come and get me because he he hasn't got my address. He doesn't know my name. Um, he's still going to come and get me. He knows there's blood on the van. Um, about his pen knife, he obsesses about that. I don't really know the point that I'm getting at here because it was completely stamped on when he's killed and it means nothing. But it, it, it's almost like you can empathise with Leatherface because he's he's a kid with developmental problems that hasn't got the same support that even Franklin does. Like, Franklin doesn't have a huge amount of support, but at least he's not being raised by hillbillies. It's a bit of nature versus nurture, I think. Albert, what are you? Yeah, I hadn't thought thought too much about it, but now that you've kind of gone into that, I can see that parallel. Because yeah, he definitely is. You know, he obsesses with the pen knife. He's cutting at the side of the van, um, you know, and, and he has to be told to stop and stop and stop. Much like Leatherface is later in the film. Um, so yeah, so I, I I could see that now, but it didn't kind of spring out at me on, you know, while watching the film. Mm. And he gets over the hitchhiker cutting himself and he's questioning it, just like, well, what would you have to do to cut yourself like that? What would it take? Could you do it? Could I do it? And it's, it's almost like his brain doesn't work the same same way. And I don't know, if I was making the film, that's how I would want to put it across, is that don't judge the hillbillies and don't judge Leatherface. It's much more about his environment than, than it is anything else. Franklin could easily be Leatherface had he been raised in the same place. I think even this is going to sound cruel. They they even sort of look alike. You know, they both That's have the that, that shock of curly hair at the yeah, top the of their heads. Yeah, the physicality of them is very similar. Um, and from what we can see of Leatherface's actual face, um, obviously we can't see much of it. We can see obviously there's um, his his teeth are kind of deformed and in sort of a bad way. But kind of deformed. 
kind of deformed. Uh, and you, you can see through the eye holes of the mask, and they could be anybody else's baby blues. Yeah. You yeah. know? Well, um, Franklin has blue eyes. And actually, the way, the way um, Sally treats Franklin is kind of like the way Leatherface's family treat him, and sort of as an annoyance and a nuisance... Um, a burden. a burden. So yeah, actually, that's a very interesting take on it. In I can, because it would have been a bit too obvious if Leatherface was in a wheelchair, or vice versa, if Franklin was just mentally handicapped, and um, would have been a bit too on the nose. So I think that they changed the disability to make them a bit more separate. I would love to talk to the director and see if I'm on the nose or he's just like, no, you're reading way too much into this. Well, I'm afraid if you want to talk to the director, you're going to have to go back to last week's episode and pick up that Ouija board. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Captain, what's his name? Captain... Yeah. Um, Captain, Captain Howdy, Hooker? being played Captain by Howdy. Toby yeah. Hooper. Um, yes. The, uh, the, the dinner scene, right, the infamous dinner scene, which is... So, so the, the only thing I really told you guys before we started watching this movie was that saw it 15 years ago and I still consider it one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen and pretty much the last third of the film is why because it just it's I say the dinner scene but it's not that there's any one moment and it's not that there's any you know one sequence that kind of stands out and elevates it oh it's it is the most disturbing film it's everything pretty much from the moment Franklin gets it, and yeah, everything from then just onwards. Everything from that moment it is on, yeah. Anxiety. It is non-stop. I think the chainsaw stops for about five minutes, mm. but then the, the rest of that time, your score is the chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, it's it's relentless. horrible. It's mean. I mean, yeah. it's a very mean film as well, uh, particularly with what happens to Franklin. But obviously, the way that the the girls are exploited. Um, Pam on the meat hook, and then Sally, the way she's tortured. Continue. I, I, I saw as well. Now I didn't, I didn't say anything just because I, I saw the Perry were like, ah. but when she starts to get tied up, and I was wondering, I was like, okay, I'm not going to say anything, but if they think that th- that thing that they think is about to happen, well, that's not, but uh, that's horrible because she is violated again and again and again, just not in the way that I think a movie today would do it. The Hills Have Eyes. I'm really, really glad that it didn't go the route of The Hills Have Eyes because I, I'm i not going to say I will watch this film again, but I will passionately not watch The Hills Have Eyes again because that, I've, for I've me... I've not seen it, so I've seen. Oh, okay, I'm not making any sense then. Anybody that has seen it will, un- will, will understand. There is, an, a, for me, an exceptionally... This sounds stupid. An exceptionally uncomfortable rape scene. Now, no rape scenes are comfortable, but this one in particular is disturbing, too disturbing to put on film. Um, And I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre could have gone that way, but I'm really, really glad it didn't because it it kind of emphasises how this is functional, this isn't for pleasure. Oh, that's... Wow, you're, you're, you're... Even with... Yeah... Because even though they are they are laughing around the table, so it's you can sort of see that maybe you know oh, nice Sunday dinner or whatever, um, they're not yeah they're not taking physical pleasure in her no. the way that some other 
it's ex- it's excitement around. It's like the biggest Christmas turkey has walked into the house, and they're excited by it. And whoa, this is amazing! This is great. But they're not going to do anything dirty to the turkey. They're just going to toy with it and then kill it and eat it. Yeah, like carnivores in you know the world of nature will we'll play with toy, their, we'll play with, with their food prey. before they they eat it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, what what re- yeah. Yeah, that's uh... what really stuck out to me in that kind of sequence was the the editing and the kind of the camera angles. There's those really intense close up shots of Sally, like you literally see the veins in her eyeballs, like at certain points, and it comes yeah. at sort of very oblique angles. And there's I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but there was a brilliant um, exterior shot of the house with the moon in the background, and it does this like really fast zoom in. Um, or zoom out actually I think it was um, that just felt like whoa how did that happen and then you're kind of back into the 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 kind of evening dinner again um, so that was the bit that stood out for me because you've got the incessant screaming but you can't actually see her mouth you just see her eyes and her face no. and her hair um, and that was I thought particularly terrifying um, it is it works well because it's when um they say that the they're going to let granddad have a go and they kind of boast about how incredibly efficient he was back in the day and when they when they say right he's going to have a go that's when they do the zoom ups on yeah. the eyeballs and this is when you kind of get the sense that she knows she's dead and that's a really clever way of putting you in her mind by having all of these odd disorienting well, what was interesting watching it while looking at you guys on Zoom, less so for Sean because he's obviously seen it before, but for Ian and I, was like with every cut, our head would move as well. So, like, almost wincing in reaction to each cut. So, yeah. like, this is a film that strikes me as being made for an audience rather than the director or a writer. It's made to, mm. you know, fuck with the audience, yeah. basically. Um, and, and, and it's, it's very successful okay. at that, yeah. as evidenced by. You know, are quite extreme reactions throughout it. Um, yeah. What it is, it's exactly like, like like you guys said. It is. This is an exhibitionist mm. piece. Yes. Is like, they didn't go for subtlety with this one. Um, there's no like. If you look did. at that thing in the background, it means this. No, that thing right in the foreground means yeah. this. You know, and their statement yeah. on the Vietnam War, on being lied to, and everything. A lot of that was part of the marketing campaign. Mm. You know. Um, now the what what I picked up on this time, which I fifteen years ago, if I did notice it, I don't remember it, uh, is the radio plays an awful lot more news than I noticed before because you were just hearing all of these horrible, horrible things that were yeah. going on on the radio. It's it's like, like, Turn off the radio. <laughs> this poor yeah. reporter, like, and it sounds like it's local local news. So it's like, why the fuck is anyone living here? Because the like local mid-summer. news is fucking morbid. Right, it's like don't move there. Um, Local yeah, no, man, it is. It's... murders priest. What? Yeah, and then gets job as news reporter. Um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, so, so there was there were there was a few inspirations for the film from real life, and that's where they did. Now it was very much a tongue in cheek. This is a true story, but they took a. Have you? I presume you might have heard of the serial killer Ed Gein. Only because I've watched. Um... Um, the thing on Netflix, how not how to make a murderer, the Mind um, Hunter. Mindhunter, thank you. Yes, yeah. 
Um, well, just really quick, because that's an episode in itself. Uh, he was a murderer uh, who was a very, obviously, disturbed person, but he would make furniture from the flesh of... but And he would grave rob as well, and that's yeah. where they got... He's definitely got a Leatherface vibe because he's this kind of big figure that's almost a child in his brain as well. And um, we had as well, there was the, this was fucking awful, um, the Candyman murders, the, uh, I think it's the Houston mass murders. Um, I'm I'm not going to go too far into detail. We've assaulted people enough with just talking about this film. (laughs) But um, again, there was a killer, but this killer had helpers. And that's where, you know, the hitchhiker, you have yeah. the cook, you have Leatherface himself. They sort of, they form a unit. Um, and Suck my unit. <laughs> Just, sorry, Tropic Thunder two weeks in a row. <laughs> Good lord. I mean... We were supposed to be a unit. Suck my unit. <laughs> sorry, carry on. Good lord. I'm editing this episode. I'm taking that out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so... We eventually we get out, as you said, there, there is this moment where you're like, she knows she's dead, but she still fights. Yeah. And that's interesting because I, I, I agree with you. I think as soon as she woke up in that chair, she thought, I'm not getting out of this house. But she yeah. doesn't stop fighting. No, she doesn't. She, And I think it's kind of impulse as well. Like she, they kind of lose grip of her. Because I think once granddad gets one solid hit on the head, I think they get a bit complacent. Um, and they show the wound pretty graphically. Um, and there's probably still a bit of, well, even if she does run away, she ain't going to get far. We can still toy with our prey a bit, and it's just a bit more adrenaline for the meat. Well, yeah. I mean, and and, and you do, you see that she, she gets out of the house. And as you say, like, they have her. You know, she's not going anywhere. No. Um, and so they decide to play with their food. To, obviously... Uh, their own detriment. Big Sorry, time. the poor, the poor lorry driver. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a bit like there was a bit where I chuckled because he like he's run over the hitchhiker, um, pulls over on the side of the road, gets out of the cab, jogs down, sees <laughs> Leatherface, and nopes <laughs> the fuck out of there so nope. quick, just like about turn one eighty. Fuck that, nope. <laughs> I am out of here. Um, it's so good and that, that poor bastard you don't really see what happens to him uh, he went away and had a long and happy life and he's yeah, fine I'm and everything's sure. wonderful um, but yeah because like, I'd be thinking like, well I'm not going back to that truck like, the, the entire last three minutes of that is chaos it is absolute Complete. fucking chaos and I love that because there's no the structure to it It's in reality it's probably how that would go down like, you get a random blue car that comes along, does a 180, spins, loses control. It's just a bit of pandemonium. You could almost have the Benny Hill soundtrack. <laughs> going over that entire final scene. Especially when he's, like, swinging the chainsaw around in the sunlight. Which, that sunset is beautiful. That is an extremely yeah. well-shot bit of film. <laughs> and that's it. It is, it's... It it feels wrong saying this, but it is a beautiful scene. It is it, yeah. it is like you can you can understand why people have yeah. posters this of is, that. This is juxtaposition it's, the movie. Yeah, like it's it's horrible, and what's happened is horrible, and these people are horrible. But damn, that's a and, fine sunset. But damn, that's a fine sunset, and that. <laughs> 
Because, and again, I suppose, obviously, I knew that we were coming up to the, the blackout ending. And I was kind of just trying to watch your faces to go, like, you know, they still oh, think more stuff is coming. Yeah. Like, you know, they can't possibly end here. It ends. It was, but then, for a second, I was like, well, what else is actually going to happen? Because she got away. All we're going to see is the van driver killed, which is a bit of an anticlimax. So, yeah, just leave him swinging his chainsaw in the sunlight. That's That's... As good a way to end this batshit film as any, isn't it? And that's it. And then you can decide, as I say, never mind the sequels, you can decide, did she go to the police and they went to the house and were like, you are clearly arrested? Or, <laughs> you know, did was it just another horrible thing that happened on an anonymous road? Yeah. An anonymous house and people went... Or I think there, there's readings of this where it's like, well, they shouldn't have gone into the house. And it almost justifies the murders. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you come into... Good, a, because you're a good person. Yeah. yeah. You go into an abandoned house. I mean, he was knocking, as I said earlier, for an hour and a half. That's true, So, yeah. I mean, that's fair play after that. You can go in and kind of say, hello. And he acts, He doesn't boot the door down. He knocks and it swings open. Um, and then he hears a rumbling, doesn't he? And then goes to investigate. And then, donk. Game over, man. Game over. But I was very impressed. I was very impressed Albert. in this film. In comparison to Halloween, the people actually close their doors after him <laughs> themselves. They're very energy efficient, yes. aren't they? Like he makes they a point really of coming out and turning yeah. the lights off and locking the door. Like <laughs> you can imagine Michael Myers like turning up and just being extremely frustrated. Like, damn, these people are efficient. <laughs> I ain't gonna murder no babysitters around here. Um. So. So have you? I was gonna. Well, I, I'm. I'm gonna. Have you both sufficiently calmed to the point where I could ask final thoughts, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, I mean, Albert, what did you say everything you needed to say about the score? Like, what was it that, that I think there's more to dig into? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I don't have many, well, yeah, I don't have many thoughts beyond that. It was masterfully done and there was like, is it score, is it sound? Um you know, and how do those interact? Um, it's very abstract. You know, there isn't a, such a theme um, to this movie that I'm aware. <laughs> um, no, uh, there isn't. So that in itself is quite um, daring, I guess, for the time. Um, considering Exorcist and Halloween are after this film, yes? Correct. Exorcist is before right. Halloween. Yeah, but after. only by one year, yeah. isn't it? Probably That's, not. Yeah. Not this would have been filmed whilst Halloween it was. It was out. actually you're right. There yeah. was a full year went between wrapping yeah. and probably release. not enough to. But what's interesting it. for me is like this film felt older than those films. Yes, so almost much, felt like much it was five older. six years previous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think score wise, you know, it's not a score I'll throw on in the background while working. Let's put it that way. What's not melodic about that? And, and, Oh my god! Yes, you may come in for the meeting now. Excuse me while I hit play. Did you want to stay for a while? Uh, and honestly, I couldn't tell you anything about time signatures in this one because it's so bloody abstract and peculiar. So, no. I, and I get the yeah, I get a feeling that actually, um, some of the instruments are not actually instruments. I get that feeling that they might have used something else to make outside of the sounds within the film but some of that 
kind of ambient yep. soundscape sounds like it's something that shouldn't be in it. Yeah, so, something that shouldn't be an instrument that was played as an instrument. Um, yeah, basically the entire score could have come from that generator, like just smacking different parts of it. Like there's definitely there's a real industrial yeah. feel to it with femurs. Yes. So to get back to your original question, Sean, in terms of our final thoughts, um, I think for me, I am glad I've watched it. I will not watch it again. Uh, I am not interested in watching any of the sequels. Um, but I think <laughs> uh, actually there's a lot of craft in there that I'm quite impressed by, considering it's another low-budget kind of early starter in the genre you can see how it's influenced, particularly 90s horror, I think. You know, the kind of slasher, final girl thing. Yeah. Um, yes. So I, I can appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I think my, my overarching uh, takeaway is, dear God, I'm glad I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I mean, as soon that was the easiest cold open I've ever had to write because I I felt the same. Like this makes me want to rethink sausage entirely. Like I just I'm not interested. Um, it's hideous. So my my takeaway overall is that early early horror and like seventies horror and early eighties horror did fantastic things with the scores. And fantastic things with soundscape as well, which if there's one thing I would like modern horror films to take from that, to take from older horror, that they're taking the wrong thing, aren't they? It's not the gore, it's not the shock value, it's the environment that it creates as well. So A Quiet Place does that really well, but I don't think A Quiet Place is a horror film. I think that's, it's marketed as horror, but I think it's really a, th- a thriller. Um, but I wish modern films would pay attention to either a decent theme or a decent score because you can't you can't underestimate that um when it's done well it makes your movie um overall thoughts on the film is i enjoy talking about it a hell of a lot more than i enjoyed watching it um there, there are essays to be written on this film and it doesn't deserve it is the summary um i think we are we are giving it way more credit than i think the director ever would have done um but it's it's a fascinating, and I, this is what you get from a lot of films from the seventies. Everything was a commentary. Film was used as a commentary on society. It was used how Shakespeare used his plays. Um, it was it was discussing something. Uh, falling down springs to mind. Um, it, it's a commentary on hey, the world is out to fuck me, and I'm gonna fuck it back. Um, I love that. That's what I love about seventies cinema. Um, I've got questions for you, Sean. Um, I don't know anything about the director. Albert might be able to help me out as well. I haven't done any research on the director. What else did he do? Uh, What's he famous for? What is he? Did he? Did he do any of the sequels? And second he, question: What are the sequels? What do they kind of cover off? As the final thoughts. Well, I'll do the sequel uh, answer first, right? So there is uh, Texas Chainsaw Two, which is a lot of people look at it as just two films right because two is a completely different kettle of fish and it was deliberately so because they knew they weren't going to do this this film again and they what were year never did that going come out? to um i'm just trying to i'm certainly not on wikipedia right now um <laughs> but no uh, 90, oh there was a big gap 1986 okay. so oh, it was 12 year gap huge. because there was there's a whole 
you know, so there's another episode in the shit that went on just to get this to the cinema. Oh, really? Um, and well, that was a, after filming. That's an filming. Avatar level yeah. um, not, not far off. Now, so he also did... Um, I don't know if either of you have seen the miniseries the, of Salem's Lot, Stephen King's uh, Salem's I, Lot. I know of it. I haven't seen it. Um, he did Poltergeist. Oh, and, uh, um, okay, cool. Which, which is, Spiel, which yeah, is Spielberg, is know. Is that written by Spielberg? Am I making uh, that up? That was, well, produced. Oh, no, sorry, beg your pardon, written. Written and produced by Spielberg. Um... And they would, they would, they would be, I suppose, his 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 big ones. Um, there are there are lots of other titles in there, but um, not yeah. Most people would know them for um. Sorry, no. Okay, just so he looking, wasn't... Lo- looking at different titles. So no, but he he wasn't say prolific. He was well, a, a bit like in the way that Wes Craven is. He is a name that is immediately associated with, you know, icons of horror. Yeah, even if say this was really it'd it. be yeah it, it would be interesting i suppose to do an episode on texas 2 but it would be a very very different episode yeah it's probably a a, a sidebar isn't it it's not a probably doesn't warrant its own thing well, it's arguably a different genre. Back. oh really no it's arguably a different genre yeah it's it's much more of a comedy wow <laughs> Um, Jesus Christ! The... That is not the genre I thought you were bending. But this into. is, but this is Sean's oh, no, definition of comedy, is it? Or is it an actual like general? Just oh yeah, no, no. Titanic is his number one comedy of all time. Not at all. No, no. Well, I was going to make a horrible <laughs> joke, but I'd be cancelled immediately. Um, but uh, so sequels. Yeah, he's the sequels. Um, so that was the second one. There was other sequels then uh, that gave us Viggo Mortensen that gave us Matthew McConaughey that gave us Reese Witherspoon no no not Reese Witherspoon sorry um, Bridget Jones uh, Renee Zellweger I know who you mean Renee as I said Renee Zellweger uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then there's been remakes and sidequels and everything it's just for me with the possible exception of part two, it's a film that just did not need to be... It certainly didn't need to become a franchise. Um, no. It uh, arguably just didn't need a sequel. I mean, where do you go from here? Well, Leatherface, because I knew there were so many other Texas Chainsaw films, I assumed Leatherface was Mike Myers-ish, but he's not. He can't go out on his own and do this. You're not oh. going to find him terrorising a city. He hasn't got the brains for it. it. This is much closer to The Hills Have Eyes than it is an actual Freddy, Jason, Mike Myers kind of bag. And actually, it's... it's. I mean, you're, you're bang on the money because Wes Craven uh, said he made The Hills Have Eyes as his own homage to Texas Chainsaw. And you can... If you haven't seen The Hills Have Eyes, don't. Just watch this film. Um, mm-hmm. It is... It, I couldn't help but scream The Hills Have Eyes. It's got that slapped all over it. Um, and I think this is done better. Um, the bits that aren't murdery are better in the hills of eyes if that makes sense but all of the gore and all of the the assault on your senses is done better in the texas chainsaw massacre um the hills of eyes west craven just went i am going to disturb you and i'm not going to be subtle about it this i'm not even going to take any chances this will make you wish you hadn't seen this film and I'm not entirely convinced that's a good thing. But uh, I'd quite like to get into a debate about that. But uh, genuinely, I wouldn't put Albert through the hills of eyes. Thanks. No, don't. 
don't do it. I love that's your way of saying you're a better person than me because I put just both through Texas Chainsaw. No, 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 but that's fine. I would. I would put him through this because it's fine. I would not put him through that. Um, yeah, it's another story. Sean, you go watch The Hills Have Eyes because I, I, I think we need to talk about it. Um, yeah, cool. Any other thoughts? Are we good? Are we done? Can we put this hideous movie I, to bed? Yeah. I, and I, I need think a good I'm lie done. down and I'm not yeah. going to sleep tonight. But, you know. No, that's fair. As I think it's a it's a fun movie to discuss, a fascinating movie to discuss. Um, it is not something I wish to revisit, but cool. Glad glad we did this. Let's do it again next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next week, um, I wrote the schedule and I can't remember what it is. But is it the Omen? Uh, Omen was seventy six. So Amity yes, film? I think we're. D- You're the only one that wants to do this chronologically. <laughs> Shush. Right, well, it's the you. Omen. It I is. think yeah. it's the Yeah, cool. So next week, join us as we um, look into The Omen, which is interesting because I saw this film, I think, eight-ish years ago um, and not since. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's an interesting discussion to be had around that and the sequels as well. But, Albert, are you looking forward to The Omen? What do you know about nothing. it? Is nothing. Anything? You know nothing. Only cool. that it's a horror cool. movie that um, I've avoided I all my life, so... That's keep, fair. Keep, keep it that way for the next week. No we'll, get a, we'll, get, we'll get a fresh take. Um, and I have an interesting story about the time that I met Damien. Um, so we will leave Ooh. on that cliffhanger. The Damien. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Albert, where can people find you? Can find you find me at Albert Hogan on Twitter. Fantastic. I am fed up of getting this wrong. So if you listen to last week's episode, all of the plugs and stuff are at the are at the end during the music. So I ain't gonna fuck this up again. Sean, you have books. We will plug that. What are your books? I have two books. They are both available on Amazon. One is called Down to the Bridge. The other one is called Shadows in the Stars. Neither of them are horror. Thanks. Somebody God. might potentially be yet yeah, delighted to know. Uh, they are both sci-fi. Uh, please buy them. And they I are, love you. They are both influenced by The Omen and The Texas <laughs> Massacre and The Hills Have Eyes, respectively. But they're just set in space instead, so that makes it fine. Um, th- thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Bye! 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 Thanks for listening to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies. I, at least, would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Sean couldn't care enough to record this with me. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at EnglishIrishGTM. Email us at an Englishman and an Irishman at gmail.com and check out our website www.anenglishmanandanirishman.wordpress.com where you'll find all of our previous episodes. You'll find me on Twitter at galactic underscore Dave and you'll find Sean at Sean Ferrick. Thanks for being awesome and we love you very much. <laughs>